Hello. Hello. The big topic in women's MA, Frank Posen here along with Schwab Humes. Don't forget to check my blog at p316.blogspot.com. And uh, all the folks that we discuss on here, the videos are up on my blog. Okay, let's start with last Saturday's show. And, of course, obviously, Carlos Barza beat uh, Rose Nunes for the strawweight title by split decision. And, Sean, I'm watching this fight in the first round, and I'm just shaking my head over Rose's strategy. It's just so stupid. And, listen, the, it's, it, the strategy, in my opinion, historically, has not worked. So I don't know why they would do it. And secondly, it's very risky to do a strategy like that in a title fight because you're depending on the judges to go your way. So, I, I mean, I understand why they did it, but they shouldn't have done it. How about that? Yeah, um, I would agree with you. I think the main issue, the issue was the same issue we spoke about last, last week. Rose has similar weaknesses. When you get her into certain spots or you pressure her, she tends to get defensive. She tends to fold up a little bit. And she still doesn't take punishment super well. What she's learned how to do is use her footwork and her length to keep you from getting to the spots you want to regularly. And hopefully you'll either give up or she'll be able to finish you or, or hurt you bad enough where you can't ever build momentum in the fights. But when somebody has been able to get to those fights, uh, Andrade, Kovacavich, she's been tested. And a lot of times she hasn't passed that test. So when she faced Carla, I think what she thought was, I'm the champion. She's going to have to beat me to get the belt. And if I can just keep away, keep, keep her out of her spots and I can look busy enough, then I won't take any damage and I should get an easy win because Carla won't be able to build any momentum. But it backfired on her because Carla was being the aggressor and, and Rose wasn't giving, it, giving her anything to, to, to twice about. Okay, so, so there's a couple of things here. First of all, the guy who came up with this nonsense was Pat Berry. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, Rose said after the fight, what? I don't get any credit for good defense. Well, as we all know, the, the defense is not part of the judging criteria. Shouldn't they know that? Well, the thing is, the thing is, and they should know that, but this it's a common rule in fighting. It's a common rule in fighting. You can defend unless you unless you completely shut someone down, like where they're swinging and missing and they're taking shots and they can't even touch you, then you might get a pass. But ultimately the part of defense people forget about is defending and you have to make them pay. Your defense is highlighted when you can punish the person for attacking you. So if you slip, if I throw 15 punches and you, you dodge every one of them, but you don't throw anything back, then the judges are going to look at it and say, well, he's throwing the punches. This person won't even fire back. So either they're scared of how much damage you can do. They're they're scared of getting tired. Either way, they're not engaging. So this person who's missing and swinging is controlling the pace of the fight. Your defense only helps if it's bolstering your offense, just like your offense doesn't help if it's constantly getting you countered or is stuck in submissions. You have to be able to build your own offense off your defense, and she never did that. I can't even say she did defense because what she did was she denied she denied Esparza her spot. She didn't engage at all. Defense is when I jab, jab, you throw a counter, and I slip the counter, she, and I she, jump in with a hook. She didn't do that. She, no, she didn't do any of that stuff. She just didn't engage. That's different. That's, yeah. not, that's refusing to engage. 
Yeah. Trevor Whitman told her that she had won the four for four rounds. So well, doesn't he know what the judging criteria is? He should know it, but this is what happens with MMA camps. A lot of times they have a plan or a game plan or an approach. So their idea of winning a round isn't in isn't in general for MMA. Their idea of winning a round is did we execute our plan? So in their eyes, Rose isn't getting hit. She's essentially controlling the distance because she's not engaging and Carla can't get to her. So we must be winning because Carla can't force a pace. Carla can't get her hands on her. Carla can't put multiple strikes on her. We must be winning because we're the quicker, longer, more technical striker. So it's got to be clear to anybody watching this that we're dominating because Carla can't get any work done. Basically what Rose did, she did the stand-up version of lay and pray. She had she controlled the distance and she just didn't engage. And Carla wasn't good enough to get to her spots unless Rose was going to fight her. But instead of taking advantage of that using her long-range weapons, Rose just kept disengaging and dancing around. So by their estimate, they were winning the fight because they were executing their game plan. But by the real rules of the game, they were not. And that's what happens to a lot of MMA camps. Oh, we won. We were winning because you took them down four times. Yeah, but they almost committed you twice for beating you up on the feet. So just because you got the takedowns doesn't mean you're winning. It just means you're winning at your plan, but you're not actually winning the fight. There's a difference. So let me ask you this. How come they don't know the difference? Aren't they professional fighters? Um, fighter, and I, I'm a Whitman fan. I interviewed him on another show before, so I'm a big Whitman fan. I don't know about Pat Barry's strategy, strategy and all that kind of stuff. I can't vouch for that. But Whitman's usually very sharp. But ultimately, this is what Whitman does to people. He's going to let you fight the way you fight, and he's just going to try to make you the best version of yourself. Just like he's super technical, but you see Justin Gaethje, and Justin Gaethje just started getting technical the last two years. He's going to let Justin be as wild as he wants. He's just going to support it. And if this is what Rose and Pat came up with, all Trevor Whitman's going to do is mentally try to support them and, and give them enough of a technical foundation they can execute their plan. He's not trying to switch who you are as a fighter. He's not trying to tear you down. He tries to plant seeds to encourage you to execute the way you want to, and he just tries to give you the skills to execute. That's all he does. And he said it before. He said it multiple times. You know what it made me think, Sean? It makes me think that Rose is going to retire. Uh, yeah, she. I, I heard somebody said that she didn't really want to get punched in the face or take too much punishment. That's exactly what that's she the, said. If that's the case, I mean, I understand you're not supposed to want to take punishment. That's, that's smart as a fighter. But every fighter accepts they're going to get touched. I know Floyd Mayweather says, I never took any punishment. That's a lie. Every fighter takes punishment. Once you decide you no longer want to take punishment, you can no longer be a fighter of any quality. You just can't be. You have to, even if you can't take a punch, you have to have the will to want to take one. And if Rose no longer wants to, she, she, can't, she can't be elite. She's going to start losing a lot. Okay, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. In this type of situation, the referee has the option of admonishing the fighters for not doing enough. Okay, I've seen it happen in the past, but the thing I wanted to mention here was that the referee in this particular fight, Keith Peterson, doesn't. He never has. He never will. Even in a lay and pray situation, even on the fence, he doesn't break fighters up. Okay, if referee had been either uh, uh, um, J Jason Herzog or uh, uh, Mark Goddard, I think we might have seen. Different fight because they would have done it. 
done that. Yeah, I, I think he's more of an MMA period pur- purist. If you can't get it on your own, I'm not bailing you out. If you can't if you can't get them down, I'm not bailing you out. And if you can't crack their code, I'm not going to bail you out. I'm going to let the judges make their decision, and you're going to have to live or die with what you did. And some, and while I see why people have a problem with that, in this regard, I'm glad he did it because now Rose has to live with the decision she made. You made the decision. I'm not bailing you out. I'm not going to force you to fight. You don't want to fight? Cool. We're going to live and die with it. Now Rose has to die because the, the ref let her fight her fight. He didn't admonish her. He didn't pressure. He let her fight her fight. So now it's 100% on her, however this result went. Okay, uh, my final word on this fight is it may be the worst women's title fight that we've seen. It might be the worst fight, period. Well, uh, the one I remember was back in Strikeforce days, Sarah Kaufman and Takayo Hashi. Remember that? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, just about like this. And that was mostly Hashi's fault. I, I was just very surprised that she would do yeah. like this. It was so stupid. Okay, you got it, any it, final it, word it, on this one? It, this fight, I mean, Rose might have to really consider it because this fight didn't do her or her fan base any favors, and it didn't do Carla or her fan base any favors. I mean, Carla got the title, but everybody's talking about how terrible a fight it is. And Rose, there's no need for a rematch. The last fight was boring. Carla's beat her twice. I mean, the sooner they can get away from this fight, the better. Just just go and do something else. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Next one is... Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing, one more thing, one oh. more thing. I, I, I have to say one thing. If I'm Carla, I'm glad, because the only thing worse than be, being involved in the worst fi- women's title fight ever is to be the loser in the worst women's title fight ever. At least she got a belt. Well, I don't know how you judge it. Uh, true, but hey, she's still the winner. It was the worst fight, but at least I won. To be the worst loser? Yeah. I guess. I guess. Well, let's move on to the next one, which was uh, at that point, Mason Norman Dumont by, was it split decision or was it? Split decision. It was split decision, right? Yeah, yep. split decision. Um, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about here was that the, there were two judges that scored this 30-27 for Mason. Uh-huh. I don't think that's correct. The third round, um, Normal won the third round. Yeah, the, the same thing that always happens, Chase, and, I, and I, I don't mean to bash her. She's not a bad fighter, but she's a busy fighter. She's a physical fighter, but when she can't overwhelm you, eventually she runs out of ideas. When she runs out of ideas... She either just hangs on or she gets out hustled to a to a to a loss. And I thought I agree with you. I thought Norma did enough to win the fight, but what what Macy did early on basically swayed the judges and they don't feel Norma put enough of a stamp on the fight to win it. But essentially Macy ran out of ideas after the first round and a half and Norma started coming on and Macy, and Macy really couldn't couldn't do anything about it. So even though she won the fight. It didn't tell us anything new about her. It hasn't proven she's gotten better. And if anything, it just shows how shallow the women's fight, women's division is and how limited even the name fighters are because that, that was not a good performance by her or Dumont. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one. It was a, I didn't like that fight in the first place. Okay, now you know why. Okay, we have at uh, Flyweight, Tracy Cortez beat Melissa Gatto by unanimous decision. 
And I think we, we saw this in these other two fights. Brazilian fighters have a bad habit of fights from the bottom, which, you know what, that's a Brazilian mindset having to do with DJJ and things like that because they can do that in Brazil. But here, you can't do that. You have to get out from the bottom. We saw this in both of these fights where Tracy got top position and Melissa was in bottom position and she really needed to get out from under. And she just didn't do that. And that's why she lost the fight. She could have won that fight for him. Well, the biggest thing about this and this loss isn't is you can win on the bottom, but the thing is, on the feet or somewhere else, you have to do some kind of damage that bounces out. If I'm lighting you up on the feet and you take me down and you can't do anything, then yeah, you had control, but you didn't do any damage. But when they're on the bottom, they're taking little punches, and yeah, the little punches aren't big and dynamic, but everybody knows little punches add up, and, if, and somebody will be like, well, I was on the bottom, they weren't hurting me. Well, if they weren't hurting you, why didn't you submit them or why didn't you get up? That's the logic, and that, that makes sense. If, you, if they're not hurting you and they're not threatening you, then what you're saying is basically they're physically dominating you with no, with no threat. So they're controlling you, even though they can't hurt you and they can't finish you, but they're completely controlling you. I have to give the round to them because you're not doing anything on the feet. You're not improving position on the ground and you're not ending the fight. And then the fighters think because they say they didn't hurt me, or I wasn't in danger. That makes you look even worse. This person couldn't lay a finger on you and you still couldn't get up or finish them. That just tells me I was right to pick the person in the superior position. Ultimately... Cortez just outworked her. And and I was glad that Cortez kind of stayed. Usually she loses focus in fights. She'll get too aggressive or she'll lose focus and she'll get close to being submitted or close or take a couple shots she shouldn't take. In this fight, she seemed much more focused and much more controlled. And I thought Gata would be able to get some work done on the feet and she really wasn't. So um, I think she's improved her discipline and her poise. I don't know that technically she's a much better fighter, but I think she's a little bit more under control. And um, I thought this was going to be a tougher fight for her. Gatto kind of let me down. I thought Gatto was going to have a little bit more for her. I think the preparation by uh, the guys that fight ready probably was the big issue. It was going to help for her here. Yeah, I, I, I said it. I thought her new camp, I was like, oh, she's in a new camp? I feel like we're going to see a better version. If, if she would have gone to a new camp, I was going to pick Gatto. Okay, then we have at uh, Strava, we have Lupi Godini, Hurry and the Carnalosi. Also by unanimous decision, and the same thing happened in this fight, Juan. Ariane did what, like I said, oh, there's Brazilian fighters who do this. They think they can win fights from the bottom, but what they really need to do is get out. And she didn't do that, and that's why she lost the fight. It's her own fault. I thought I always felt Carlos was going to be a little bit more aggressive and kind of throw some haymakers and really try to bully. Uh, um, Loopy, I thought she was going to bully her and try to overwhelm her when she was just accepting takedowns. And I understand somebody could be a better wrestler than you and get you down, but some fighters accept them, and that's why they can get controlled so easily. You have to fight and engage at every range, and she kind of accepted the takedowns and accepted the position. And I'm like, how are you going to tire someone out, or how are you going to dissuade them from attempting takedowns if they know that once they get you down, all they have to do is lay lay heavy on you and not give up an easy submission. It It's bad strategy. And it's one thing to have that strategy coming in. But after you see that for a round, your corner should be like, look, you're not getting this. If you're not getting that submission in the first round, when you're dry, you're not really heavy and sweaty, you're not getting it in the second or third. It's almost impossible to. And the fact that she made no adjustment is really, really concerning to me. I still don't think Loopy's great 
But like I said last week, she fights a lot, which gives her a lot of experience and she's willing to take chances. So that's going to put her over a lot of women in the mixed martial arts arena because one, they're not great athletes and two, they're not coached very well. So somebody who's aggressive and who's active and will take chances is going to exploit the large majority of female fighters because they don't have the talent, nor do they have the skill set to take advantage of the many mistakes that Lupe Godinez makes. Well, it's like I said, uh, this is a bad habit you see from a lot of Brazilian fighters because they get away with it at home, but you can't get away with it in the U.S. It's as simple as well, that. You get, they, get, they get away because they're facing lesser athletes and they can just... That's right. Or they can just get back up when they want to. They can just get, they get the reversals and the switches and the butterfly guard. All that stuff is easier because they're facing smaller, weaker opposition against UFC competition those same escapes aren't there. The way you can snatch submission isn't there. So a lot of the easy submissions they get or the easy reversals they get don't exist. And they have been trained to really fight for position against someone who can deny them position. It's like you said, they're not training, they're not getting the right sparring to prepare them for what they're facing in the UFC. So then they just accept being on their back. They're like, oh, I'll get a submission eventually. No, you won't. And you're going to get beaten on position. Okay, let's move on to Saturday's show. Uh, we got a couple of fights on it. First of all, at flyweight, we have Caitlin Chukigian versus Amanda Rivas. Now, Amanda is a strawweight fighting at flyweight. She was supposed to fight um, Michelle Watterson back in March, and Michelle had to pull out due to an injury. And so she's fighting at flyweight here, as far as I know, for the first time. But I actually think she can be competitive at flyweight, Juan, especially with someone like Caitlin, who does the keep-away strategy, which... I don't think works as well for her as it used to, you know, and, and I don't think it'll work against Amanda, who's a very active fight. Well, the problem with Caitlyn is it's kind of reflective of the same thing that happened with Rose. Caitlyn's good at moving around. She's fairly good defensively, but the fact is she's not really great with her offense. A lot of her punches are short. A lot of her kicks are telegraphed and short. She throws a high volume, like, if she throws 500 punches around, she's going to miss almost 350 of them. She misses a lot. Her ability, to gauge lot. Distance, her ability to gauge distance isn't great. Like, if you don't come after her, then she's going to swing and miss. She doesn't have a way to really gauge distance and, and work from long range. So, so it's, her defense doesn't help her out because it's her being inactive and it's somebody else pressing and chasing and pressing and chasing. Um, against Hebus, she should, in theory, she should have a size advantage but the thing is hebus is a better athlete hebus hits harder and, and i think she should be stronger physically than in caitlin caitlin might have an advantage because caitlin's fought at bantam weight so she's used to stronger girls so she might not notice as much but i think hebus should do more damage hebus should be a better grappler the problem is is hebus gonna over over pursue or throw wide and get taken down or run into a counter that's that's her concern. But this 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 fight should be similar to the Jessica Andrade, Kaylin Chukagan fight. It should be some version of that. Maybe Hebus won't knock her out as quickly, but her power, her power, and her her aggression and her counter should win the day. Yeah, I like Hebus in this. Yeah, I think she's a better class of athlete. Um, Chukagan's gotten a little better, and she is very experienced. So if Amanda's not on point she's going to have problems because it is facing a bigger opponent. And that's going to take, that takes a little bit of adjustment. This is a rare style. And, and the first time she probably won't have more of a size advantage coming in, but I still think she's a better fighter. Okay. Uh, fight number two is also a flyweight. 
It is Viviani Ararujo versus Andrea Lee. Okay, so I like Viviani, but I would like her a lot better at Strawberries. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and, and, and uh, Andrea Lee has shown a marked improvement since training at Fortis MMA in Houston with Saif Saud. So yeah. normally I would favor Viviani because I really like her. But I think Andrea Lee is, has improved enough to win this fight. She's starting to finish fights. She never finished fights before. No, I, I, I'd say she had. The thing is, I've noticed with her, she's, she's sitting down a little bit more on her shots. And she, instead of just trying to rack up points or keep a pace, she seems like she alternates between throwing volume and throwing for power. And she's always had good striking skill. She's always had good movement, but what she never did is she never really had a mean streak. She wouldn't really attack the right targets to build up damage. Because when you throw that kind of volume, you should break girls down with attrition. And you, you go through a record, she's throwing all this volume and she's getting decisions, but she's not really ever beating girls up. So now she seems to be a little bit more assertive. She seems to be more willing to take advantage of her, her pace and her size in grappling exchanges and punish people instead of just trying to control them and look for look for a clean submission, she'll beat you up. She'll grind on you a little bit and wear on you. Uh, Viviana is dangerous, but she doesn't fight hard for three rounds. She, she fights in, mo in spots. And when she explodes, she's super dangerous. But when she doesn't, when she's recovering from that explosion, her defense isn't there, her offense gets real raggedy, and she's open up for counters, and she's open up to get overwhelmed. And there's... a probably a good chance that if, if KGB doesn't get knocked out early or hurt really bad early, she just out-hustles her and, out, and wears her down and, and pulls away late for a decision. I like KGB in this and I actually like her to finish. Uh, that would be an impressive win. And given how tired Arugiao can get when she has to fight hard, it's probably a pretty good bet. Okay, and we have at uh, Strawweight, we have Verna Jandarova versus Angela Hill. And let me say this, Verna Jandarova is a former Invicta champion, and she has been a huge disappointment in the U.S. You know, being a former Invicta champion does not have the same cachet it used to have. Well, I think the problem is, and she's mentioned this herself in interviews, is that she's too nice. She doesn't have a mean streak. We see, a lot, we see that a lot from Brazilian fighters. When they train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they're not trained to be mean. They're trained to just be, you know, courteous. It's, there's a certain courtesy in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that's how Virgin Jandaroba fights. So, normally, I would favor her. I think she's a more skilled fighter than you know, obviously. But I don't know, man. I don't, think she, I don't think she is mean enough to win fights. What do you think, Schwann? I don't... I, I don't think she's mean enough either. She's got the skill set, but I don't know that she's mean enough or that she's determined enough because when she's won, it's been it's been pretty easy when she's won. All the fights she's lost have been fights where she's had to she's had to work when somebody didn't just give her easy entries and easy takedowns and let her her volume because she'll try to she'll try to throw a lot on the feet to get you to open up. When people haven't let her do that and they they push back or they physically grinded on her and made it made her deal with their physicality. She hasn't, she hasn't looked great. Angela Hill's not great technically, but Angela Hill's still durable. She's very physically strong, and she's at least smart enough to navigate grappling exchanges to a certain degree. Um, 
Verna should be able to submit her and submit her easily, but if she's not really willing to walk through a certain amount of abuse and push a certain kind of pace, I, I don't see how she wins. Not against a veteran like Hill, unless Hill completely gives it up. And I don't. And Hill, even though she's limited, Hill will fight you. She's not just going to give you a win. You have to earn it. And I don't think Verna's going to fight hard enough to get it. That's what I think too. Basically, I think Angela Hill's going to win this fight. It's going to surprise some people. I think. Yeah, then then we'll start hearing how Angela Hill's back. So she's back again. Yeah. Okay, got a couple other things. First of all, uh, Kayla Harrison returned last Friday. PFL. She she didn't look very good. That's because she's not very good. I don't know why people are surprised by this. Well, I'm not, but maybe other people are. I don't know. You tell me. I, I keep telling people she's a she's a great athlete. To a degree, she's a good fighter, but she's never really had people really push back against her. And since she's been on this big stage for about two years now, now people are getting multiple looks at her. They know girls who have fought her. They know camps that are trained against her. And now her her one trick is still successful, but it's not nearly as dominant because now people are starting to scout it and come up for counters. So now she's not just overwhelming people and finishing them and beating them left to right. Now she's got to work. And she's not getting finishes, and she has to fight for control, and she's not used to that. And that's against an opponent who doesn't have the physical tools or the experience to really punish her. What happens when she faces someone who's got legitimate footwork and legitimate grappling chops and legitimate athleticism? Here's, what I'm, Go ahead. Here's what I'm thinking, Schwan. I'm thinking that in this tournament, that the third time is going to be the charm for Larissa Pacheco. What do you think, Schwan? I can see that. Pacheco's given her some trouble, not trouble, but Pacheco's made her work before, and everybody tried to downplay it because they're like, oh, well, she still got dominated. Yeah, but she didn't get finished by a girl who previously had a 100% finishing rate. That That's a concern. That shows that somebody's figured out what she's doing and is starting to catch on to it. And Pacheco, this would be Pacheco's third look at her. I also think that Julia, Julia Budd could give her some issues. I really do. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, let's go on to something else here. Um, Rin Nakai, as expected, won the uh, Deep Jewels. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Bantamweight. No, it was Flyweight Tournament. Sorry. Flyweight Tournament on Saturday. Um, what happened was her opponent in the semifinal got disqualified due to missing weight. And Shizuka Sugiyama won the other semifinal. And Rin Nakai wasted no time in. Uh, submitting Shizuka Sukiyama is not that good a fighter. So she's the winner. Now, the main thing with uh, Rin is she wants to get to the UFC. So with that in mind, Rin announced today that she has fired her manager. Okay? Which I think was the big issue with her getting back to the UFC. So I think that's the first step in her coming back to the UFC. And so I only have couple of comments in regards to this. First of all, paging Shu Harada. I would like Shu Harada to take her on as a new client, and he'll get her in the UFC. Okay? Do you know who Shu Harada is, Schwan? I do not. Okay. Shu Harada is probably the top uh, manager of Japanese fighters in the world. Okay? He works for Sucker Punch Entertainment. Okay, and he manages a lot. He manages Mizuki, for example. Okay, and mm -hmm. a lot of these other fighters. So he's the guy 
I would like to see manage Rin Nakai, and he would get her in the UFC. And I'm telling you, Schwan, at flyweight, she could be a champ in the UFC. Well, yeah, she, she's short for the Bantamweight division. She's real small, but she's still physical enough where she could stand up to the power and she could get girls to the ground and bully them to the cage. So at flyweight, you would think she'd have, she'd be like a, obviously a, a lesser Jessica Andrade. She just has so much physicality that most girls wouldn't be able to keep her off them or get back up if she takes them down. She'd have well, her, a lot of advantage. Her, her, well, first of all, she has two things. Her judo, which she's been a judoka since she was a little girl. Okay. And number two is she does hit hard. Okay. And she's hard to hit too. But I think against better competition, she'll be easier to win. That's what I said. Uh, well, I think she has a chance to be. Competition, she'll be tested more. But let's be honest, a lot of girls in the UFC rankings aren't particularly great and they're not dynamic. So if you can't really hurt her and you don't have a really good gas tank, that's like, which isn't, which is 85% of the, the, the division doesn't, that only gives her 15% to beat. And since she's a name in another country, the UFC will take any single chance they can to push her to the forefront. Well, their problem with her uh, first time around was her, her manager kept turning down fights. So they didn't like that. Well, I understand. I, I think a manager's job is to do something like that because there's lots of fighters who I've talked to and they've asked my advice and they've taken fights that have dramatically altered their careers. But the thing with Nakai is at her age and the fact that she's made a ton of money in Japan, she can afford to take some chances in the UFC. Other fighters can't because they haven't made her money. They don't have her name. They don't have her brand. The success she's had earlier financially should open her up to take more chances. It's like in boxing how Canelo can take all these chances because he's a moneymaker and he's already achieved certain things, so he can just move up and take these chances. A fighter who doesn't have that backing and doesn't have that fan base, he can't take those chances. So her manager was wrong in, in not letting her take those fights because she's got enough of a fan base that they're going to love her anyways, and it's only going to enhance her brand for her to take tough fights, win or lose. She's going to be the conquering hero who went over and faced the best. It, it doesn't hurt her either way at this point. Her, her, her legacy is kind of built with that fan base. By the way, thanks to my buddy Charlie for uh, retweeting Rin's tweet. Yeah, congr- uh, definitely. I appreciate that. You know, not a lot of people pay attention to that side of women's mixed martial arts until they get to the UFC. It's nice to have somebody who's kind of got his finger on the pulse all the time. And not me, Sean. I pay attention to everything. All right. Now, there was an Invictus show last night. Did you watch it at all? Um, I tuned in for the Alicia Zapatella fight. Okay, so you did watch that, right? Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things about that fight, now, the, the fight, um, Emily Dakota won the fight. Uh, there was a doctor's object in the second round because uh, Alicia's eye was, she wasn't going to make it. They had to stop the fight because it was a cut on her eyelid, right? The one thing that was interesting to me is Alicia left Scorpion. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. I figured she might, but I didn't know that she did. No, she's gone to New York. She was training with Matt Sarah. Hmm. So she didn't look too bad here. The problem with her, it's the same problem we've always seen. She doesn't move her head, Sean. Well, that's the thing about it. It's Scorpion, and they're not not bad people. I talked to one guy who was heading him up. 
They just didn't have people with the depth of experience and she wasn't getting a quality enough sparring. Her athleticism and her aggression was enough to mask the holes she had. And then as she faced better athletes who she couldn't overwhelm with her hand speed and her power, they started picking her off in the feet. And before she could always lean on her wrestling, but as mixed martial arts develops, more girls are training with higher level wrestlers. So now her wrestling isn't as much of a factor because she can't set it up with the feet. And remember, remember two years ago, we were talking about her when one of her title defenses. And I said, she needs to work on her ability to transition and her ability to defend and put pressure on people and defend without get, getting lit up. And if she doesn't, I said, she's going to start getting beaten up. She's going to start having close decisions and then she's going to start losing. And it happened in exactly that order. Started having close decisions, started losing. And now is losing fight after fight and she can't turn it around it's going to take time for her to make those adjustments you just don't make technical adjustments after one fight you can strategically improve you can do intangible things that'll help you get hit less or help you get to spots but you can't just make technical changes overnight because the minute you get in a rough spot you're going to default to what you've always done and her thing is add more pressure throw more volume walk through some fire and and it just doesn't work not against dakota dakota is a pretty big hitter you got to have some defense and some variation to your, your, your attacks to beat her. Okay. The other fighter I was really impressed on this show, just when I saw her a few months ago, is 22-year-old Fatima Klein. And, um, you know, she looked like a killer in this fight, just like she did in the first fight. They and all so, look like killers in Invicta. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's the whole point. Remember, remember I, just wanted, I just wanted to mention it, that's all. Remember when after Angela Hill won in Invicta, they said she was a, a top in the, her weight class, and then she came no, into you. Oh, no, jeez. And she gave, Jessica, she gave Jessica Andrade a tough fight and then proceeded to lose two more. People were like, yeah. Oh, bad luck. It's like, no, the Invicta brand is not, they're not bringing in the right talent to correct yeah. the Yeah, I think it's a little different. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Anything you want to talk about, Sean? Nope, that's it. Okay, again, don't forget. 316.blogspot.com. The fights that we talked about earlier, the videos are all up on my blog. If you have any questions or comments for either my blog or my podcast, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.